0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark Talk about songs.
1: We sure do. We've done it hundreds of times. It's Mastass number 160. I am your co host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am joined, in addition to my fandiferous regular co host, Mark Blankenship, by very special guest and star of the Jastass episode from Lothies many years ago, John Ramos. Hello, John. Hello, Mark. Hello. Hello. So, you have probably figured out if you've been listening for a while, this is a, you know, even 10, Numbered episode. So we're going to be ranking an album. If you just got here, this is what we do every 10 episodes, if not more often. This time we are ranking Holes seminal album. Sorry, live through this. Mark, please tell us more about our process here.
2: Okay, so here is the process that we use when we are ranking an album. There are 12 songs on a album Live Through This, and that means that there are going to be 12 point values that the three of us can assign to a song. The song that we put in first place will get 12 points. The song that we put in last place will get one point, and so on. And then at the end of the episode, we will add up the point totals given to each song by each person who's contributing a ranking, and that final score will help us get the final and legally definitive (laughs) ranking of the songs on this uh, album. I am pleased to say that along with John, Sarah, and myself, we will also be considering the votes of our Patreon patrons who voted on the songs on this album on a Patreon poll. If you would like to become a Patreon patron and vote on future ranking episodes, as well as get special monthly uh, content, please join us at patreon.com slash mastus. And now I'm going to stop speaking in this sort of official doing a drug commercial announcement way.
1: (laughs) Side (laughs) effects may
2: include getting fucked up. Horrible (laughs) results
1: (laughs) have occurred. Um, Not this time, though. Uh, I actually, before we get into the actual rankings, um, one of the reasons that we're having John on the podcast today, besides the fact that um, we basically do variations of Mastass on Instant Messenger, with him all the time, Uh, is that I think that he suggested that we do something off this album, like after episode two of the podcast. So oh. this has been brewing for a while. Um John, what made you think that we should dig into this one? Oh,
3: well, I mean, you know, I think at the time, yeah, you, you, you my record, your recollection is correct. But then once you started, you know, morphing into the idea of ranking albums, you know, this is one of my f- favorite albums of my 20s and i think is held as so seminal and has held up in so many ways that it just seemed like an obvious candidate so uh here we are i think that's been, i also
2: right? feel like it just dis- it distills the masters ethos so perfectly that we are ranking a whole album but have not ranked a nirvana album <laughs> and uh yeah. that if you want to sum up the way that we roll over here that's <laughs> that's how we do i also do want to point out um that john you are the first person to be a guest on a ranking episode so i hope that you will take this laurel uh in the spirit with which it is presented uh this is an honor not to be taken lightly but that's why we have you on the show because we know that you will see this for the auspicious moment that it is (laughs) i will take
3: that just as i take everything
2: (laughs) i'm really trying not to make a dirty joke john I'm trying.
1: <laughs> i'll take over we're all about to be incepted and um let's just move on um starting with our first track unless mark or john you have any other housekeeping to do up top
3: um not unless you want to do any like macro thoughts about the album um i don't I know if that's those will come through as we
1: okay. talk
2: about the track certainly
1: All right. Um, The first track, which I I think maybe each of us is a little surprised that none of the others pulled a clip from it, but that's how it goes sometimes. The first track is Violet. Um, It is, in my opinion, a fantastic opener. Um, We talk a lot about this on the ranking episodes, like not just the songs themselves, but the order in which they're presented and why that might have been. This is definitely a, you know, great this is a great place to start with this album. It's a battle cry. Um, I think it's, uh, I think there's this great rock scream from Courtney Love, but it's not, I mean, it's supposed to be punk, but there is this controlled power um, to her voice, even, you know, whether it's a rock scream or she's just singing something relatively straight. That That's a point that I'm going to be making repeatedly uh that she has this underrated control um of what's going on even when it sounds like an out of control rant it's completely designed um in the levels of sort of entropy <laughs> that are occurring in my opinion um i love the play on violent in the title there's a million great lines uh in this joint i regret now not Clipping something from it, but maybe one of you wants to sing. Uh, And go on, take everything, take everything. I want you to. I dare you to. (laughs) I dare you to. Like, nope, no thanks. You're you're fine, keep it. But it's want, it's want, and then dare, right? Yeah. No, it's want and then dare.
2: And then dare and need and demand and you should learn
1: how to say no. Should I? Mm -hmm. you didn't and you seem to be doing pretty well for yourself um this ranked pretty highly for me it was my number three song on the album so that's 10 points i was gonna say in case anyone's keeping score but of course someone's keeping score
2: (laughs) Uh, i actually am writing that down right now because i am in fact keeping score uh
1: john what do you think of this this lead off track
3: um Yeah, so many things to say about this. I mean, first off, yeah, none of us clipped it, but this song doesn't need our help.
1: (laughs) No, no, it doesn't. That's right.
3: Um, It's definitely the most popular, I think, widely used and heard song on the album. It was used in Bridesmaids. It was used over the closing credits of Jennifer's Body, which we'll get to. kind of famously inspired by her relationship with Billy Corgan, which wonder how he feels about that, but that's hilarious. Um, we'll find
1: out, I'm sure. You know, so shy. I, the
3: first note I have about this, th- this song is your 20s. Yeah. <laughs> the rage the rage that you feel in your 20s when you don't understand what life is yet, <laughs> that's part of this. Yeah. Then like more narrowly, the rage about the games that women are forced to play in the sexual arena um, comes out so strongly giving so much to one person and having them treat that devotion so callously. Um, And the, the rage that you feel when someone reveals to you that they're going to be announced, like one of the, one of the techniques that she has in this, I love how she can seamlessly shift the narration, seamlessly shift the narration of the song. Like Mm. in the middle of it, she goes into singing from the man's point of view. Mm. Uh, I told you from the start, just how this would end when I get what I want. I never want it again. Yeah. Um, when someone reveals themselves to you as being an asshole and you don't believe them until later on, you know, that they're an asshole, it's so frustrating. Um, and I think that she captures so many things on this and like on a more macro level, since we, you know, we're going to talk about this here, like you talk about the control of our instrument. And I think, uh, you know, the, the, she's so in control of the, of the yelling parts, you know, the sing, singing yelling parts, but at the same time, you know, the, the band's goal with this album, I think, was to have a more, you know, more melody and control and, you know, a more polished sound. Mm-hmm. And I was reading on the Wikipedia page that some of the influences were like stuff that you might not expect, like dream pop stuff, like Echo and the Bunnymen and Joy Division and then kind of mm-hmm. more more meld, like the Breeders and the Pixies and stuff like that. And I think you can, you can really see those influences if you're looking for them, mm-hmm. um, which you would not necessarily think of you know when you're thinking about the construction of this album but um there's also a so control yeah, to just,
1: how like she there's like a very tw- um in your 20s performative like performing mm-hmm. of being off-putting mm-hmm. like daring you right like, that's like i dare you to Definitely. love me and then when you don't then that's supposedly the object but not necessarily so yeah right
3: and there's a lot of technical stuff to this. She she often sings notes like slightly off, mm-hmm. which I think is also she's also doing on purpose and is also in control. And somehow, you know, even though I think it is a choice, it 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 adds to the feeling of authenticity. It's just it's masterful. Um, this is my number two. Uh, I gave it 11 points. Mm. Uh, I would also say that even though it's not my personal number one, if I were asked which song should endure for future generations and species, it would be this one Mm. (laughs) if I had to pick one. Yeah, that's
1: legit. Mark, what you got on this one?
2: So I bought this CD when I was in high school and never bought, never mind. I just can't keep stressing how much this is indicative of who I have always been as a person. Um, But when I was in high school listening to this, I listened to it in a superficial way. I was focusing a lot of my energy on deeply diving into albums by tori amos tracy chapman rem Ten Thousand maniacs quite frankly many of the albums that we've already ranked on yeah, this show who, indigo girls who among us, who among us really <laughs> but i at the time found some of this album to be a little too abrasive for my taste at the time and therefore didn't really listen to it at all in my 20s with the the exception of Miss World, a song that just has always been in my life. But we'll get to that in a Mm -hmm. second. And then in the last three weeks in preparation for this episode, I have listened to this album more carefully than I ever have in my life. I am now more familiar with it than I ever was when it was initially out. And I am so glad that I have done that because though I missed the chance to relate the album's rage to my own rage uh, of being a confused frustrated, and often deceived (laughs) 20-something, I am grateful to have the chance now to appreciate it as a fucking masterful piece of musicianship, as John and Sarah you both alluded to. And I am also so relieved on a macro level that I can listen to this album without any of the attendant bullshit that came around the narrative of Courtney Love's life Uh, in the 90s. Because now... I can just, it's like I don't have to have all that in my ear when I'm listening. I can just hear, oh shit, this album is amazing and Violet is a song that uh, distills that so well. It also obviously uses the fast, slow, loud, quiet, pretty, ugly dynamic that runs throughout the whole album, but it does it uh, in the service of this grand theme of the album, which is being a woman, being a partner, being a person, can fucking suck in America. And let me explain how that makes me feel. Even though you would rather, I didn't. And yeah, uh, even yeah, though you think, think my that,
1: husband told me how to express myself.
2: <laughs> yes. Like, there were, and, you know, this is
1: you. this is
2: just a really great thesis statement with which to open an album yeah. in which exactly a woman is saying, you know what? My husband didn't tell me how to do this. Society didn't tell me how to do this. You can go ahead and be as uncomfortable as you'd like. You're and I'm going to force you to hear about how I'm being dismantled, destroyed and raging back against both of those things. And the fact that she's able to do it in a song like Violet that has such melodic energy and it's so hooky it's yeah. incredible and the fact is i didn't appreciate until i was prepping for this episode how many catchy hooks there are in this yeah. album but these mm-hmm. songs are in my head constantly right now
0: yeah
3: yeah i would add uh <laughs> since you're talking about the the contrast and stuff you yeah, know the back and forth uh i was reading uh, reading a rolling stone piece from the time and they alluded to the the style which I, i'd never heard of. It, this may be a term i just never heard of it but it's called sugar and spike <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> which, uh, never heard of
3: that either. That, uh, you know, they they, they credited uh, Cobain as being a master of, which I which I totally appreciate. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I think it's also worth remembering that when this album came out, people still bought albums. Yeah. And yeah. And listened to them in chronological order. So, yeah, your point about the way this this being the first song is very salient. Yeah. This is this is what you hear in your ears, like the fir- the opening strains are like that. The, about the sky being uh, being uh, amethyst and you know she's yelling by like second
2: yeah. eight yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm also really and glad yeah. I'm really glad speaking of that time when people listen to albums that history has been correct about appreciating this album because I don't know if you guys came across this as you were doing research but everyone who has written about this album now is like oh yes this is one of the greatest albums of all time and mm-hmm. it's just nice that nobody is fronting anymore. Like Billy Corgan made this album and then just changed his voice to sound like Courtney. Let be like, none of that shit is happening anymore. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think there's, I think
3: that, appreci- that reflects a wider appreciation of, of Courtney love herself too. Oh,
2: you know, um, there's, there's so much to appreciate. I, Sarah and I have mentioned Courtney love multiple times in our private lives and on this show because she's such a wild, untamable. Brilliant, messy, fabulous figure. Uh, I'm thinking about her stripping in the recording booth in that one episode of Empire, for instance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And who else? But, uh, to, <laughs> who else? But bringing it back to Violet, I put this song in fourth place and gave it nine points, and the patrons put it in first place. Mm. So it gets 12 points from the patrons. All
1: right. Early leader.
2: Now, the next song on the album is one of the songs that had a video. Well, Violet had a video. But the video that really got my attention first was for Miss World, which is track two. And I, indeed, it did ask for a clip from that song. So let's hear a clip of Miss World. So I pulled a long clip of that song so that we could really get a taste of the seven different types of song that Miss World is in approximately three and a half minutes. The vocal control that John was talking about a second ago is so on display here. She's got that growl, that bray. She's got those moments where she knows exactly when it's time just to say the word. Yeah, you know I pulled but just this clip,
1: right? say it. No, I pulled this clip. No, I pulled this clip. <laughs> Guys. Don't oh fight. shit. <laughs> Pod marriage is so- germs. like
2: Oh my did god. I, do it right, I you're so right. I pulled Oh my god, Sarah, I've now completely done the I've
1: ruined Here we etiquette go,
3: man, taking credit for a woman's work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that
1: Oh my no, please, god, I, I just assume- this to me some more about her. But here's the thing, you were saying <laughs> You were saying everything that was my reason for cutting exactly where I did. And I'm staring at my notes like, what the fuck? I pulled this clip. It was two days ago. So that's kind of awesome, I think. I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) That was just amazing. Yeah, I pulled. This is what I would have done. I'm just going to go with it.
2: (laughs) It's just like so deep. I'm just so deeply connected to and love this song so much that I can't even you're right i just did i didn't do it and i totally thought i had and of course i didn't okay so sarah <laughs> i totally stepped on your time so please carry on <laughs>
1: um i i love this song i sing i miss world somebody kill me probably once a day i sing it to the cats i sing it to my husband i sing it to the universe. Um. This, I love the sing-songy, like, nursery rhyme bit at the beginning, and then she goes into this um, image with these guitars that are, like, so 90s that you can taste them. You can picture the Betty Serviert album cover (laughs) listening to these guitars. (laughs) Um, It it sounds very of its time. Um, The use of, like, beauty pageants as the symbolic prism to shine the song through is maybe a little... Like, it feels a little done now, but, I mean, it was, you know, the 90s. It's fine. Uh, and, again, the, the chord progression and the way that she goes back and forth between this kind of grinding vocal and a more straightforward one and the spoken part, which suggests to you that she, like, she does have this actually lovely instrument that she mostly uses to be, to, like, furiously screaming, is like i love those contrasts within a single song all over this album but especially here this song doesn't feel quite finished to me it's like almost there it's not quite finished i do really love it though it was my number four song nine points mark please please continue about our um mind meld clip and how you felt well
2: I- if I can get the blood to rush it out of my head back into the rest of my body. I, look, I, I
1: I think it's awesome that it was like I clipped it so perfectly according to what you would have done that you just assumed you did it.
2: I, I feel like I you legitimately You guys really are had... a pod married. That's what it comes <laughs> Seriously. down to. Yeah. <laughs> because when you said I pulled this clip, I was like convinced that that couldn't be true. <laughs>
1: And I'm, st- I'm staring at it on the board, and I'm like, no, nope, this is how I list clips, and that's how it's listed. Like, I mean, am I crazy?
2: No, you're right. And, of course, now as I look through the rest of the songs on the album, I remember the two that I pulled <laughs> clips for and sat at my computer making the files for. Like, I I didn't sit and make that file, but in my soul. Yeah.
1: My ass, And I saw dude. into your soul. Please Please continue describing what I saw when I oh. when I peeped in there.
2: Yeah, seriously, this is why this marriage works. <laughs> um, so I, I just think that, again, the stuff that John was mentioning about vocal dexterity is so apparent in this song. I just find the arrival of the I made my bed, I'll lie in it, I'll die in it section so satisfying because you can feel... The, the fuse on the dynamite yeah, getting yeah. closer and closer and closer as she gets there. And then, boom, it goes off. And the guitars are so satisfying. And I just think that the production on this song is so great. And it is somehow the perfect blend of lo-fi and polished. Like, you can really hear the instruments. You can really hear her. But it doesn't sound overly prettified. And I just... I love this song so much. It was my number one, as you probably nice. could have guessed by now. <laughs> um, I get 12 points. And Sarah, I'm, I got so caught up in uh, how I was going to pour my way out of that corner I backed <laughs> myself into. I didn't write down what you said your ranking was. Can you uh, tell me again?
1: four, nine points.
2: Okay. So that's 12 points from me, nine points from Sarah. Uh, and the patrons put it in third place, giving it 10 points. And, John, I'm wondering what you think about this here old song. Did you pull a clip for it, too? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel like I should at least say that I did.
3: <laughs> um, so this song is very interesting revisiting for me. I mean, for me, like, this album, for one thing, you know, <laughs> every song in this album, like, starts with a 1,000 points, so like, the few points that we're adding on here are, like, so small in the in the grand scheme of things but for me it, it's interesting what sarah was saying about the song being a very a product of its time because for me it has aged a little bit poorly um and you know the the themes of like distorted self-image still like hold up i think so well but like musically for me like um i i the 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 part that really gets me not as well as it used to is the what you were just talking about, the I made my bed, I'll lie in it. For me, mm-hmm. that that part sounds like a little bit obligatory and a little pat in a way that the very very little of the rest of the album does for me. Um, yeah, I could see that. So it's it's aged a little bit poorly for me. Again, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. And, and especially the front half of this album was something that I wore out like, you know, constantly. So no Shades of this World, it's an unbelievable song and deserves its place in history. But for, for me, it's only uh, number six, seven
2: points. Ooh, interesting. I love the ranking episodes for just this reason. Yeah, and I can totally see your point that this is the one that sounds the most like it was meant to be the radio single. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think now that you say that, that's
3: thing. Yeah, a, that, that that's it would have been nice on song,
1: FMU but... constantly. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
2: So, uh, John, uh, would you care to tell us a little bit about Track Three, Plump? Track Three is Plump.
3: Um, for me, again, um, you yeah, know, no shade to the, <laughs> no shade to anything on this album. Um, this is a song that again works better for me thematically than it does in execution. I mean, I do love the line, like, I don't do the dishes; I throw them in the crib. That's just so <laughs> evocative.
0: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sugar free.
3: You know, as one of as one of the three voluntarily childless people on this on this podcast, I feel like we can basically get behind a lot of the message of this song. But <laughs> the actual music on this one is just so unrelentingly rough that again, I like the idea of it more than the experience of listening to it. Mm. Uh so for me it is number nine, four points. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. I have to say that I am right there with you on this song. There are a couple of places in this album where, like you said, it's just a little too rough and it's a little unpleasant. And I agree with you that the, lyrically this song has great moments. The one that you referenced, obviously. And then the the line, they say I'm plump, but I throw up all the time. Like it's pretty <laughs> yeah. good distillation of how, <laughs> how women deal with a bunch of fucked up shit. Um, but yeah, for me, too, this is a song that, again, I like this whole album, but the fact that it's between Miss World and asking for it means that I'm always kind of itching for it to just go ahead and be over. Um, so I put this song in 10th place, and uh, that means it gets three points from me. And the patrons also have it in 10th place as a tie, so it's three points from them as well. Sarah, what are your thoughts on Plump? Plum?
1: Um, the first note I made is this is the track that's playing when someone is out of place at a grimy club in the movies. Um, mm. And that's kind of how, like, I think it's good for that. But I think it's a self-conscious in a way that's not great compared to some of its cistern on this album. Uh, this is great. This is a great exemplar of uh, Love's uh, power with control of her vocals but it's like aren't they all so that's not gonna elevate it necessarily um and I think the grinding guitar is uh, like it that's a message guitar but I I mean I agree with both of you that this does feel a little (sighs) I don't know. It's it's just a little self-conscious, I think. And it, what it's trying to do is done better elsewhere. Um, that said, I think I liked it better than y'all did because I ranked it number seven. Six points.
2: Oh, well, well.
3: By the way, Mark, speaking of you saying you wanted to, wanted it to be over, just uh, another thing I love about this album is there are 12 songs. It's 38 minutes long. Yeah, yeah exactly. It gets on with it. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, <laughs>
2: that 38 minutes includes the little tiny hidden bit at the end of Rockstar and the false start to Rockstar so really it's right. like 37 <laughs> minutes long she don't she not over here trying to wear out her welcome
1: um i think that um some roads are about to diverge in a ranking episode <laughs> with our next uh, our next track is number four, "Asking for it," and speaking of asking for uh, Juanito, you asked for the clip from this, yes.: Yes. Shall we hear it?: Yes, OK. Shall I go first? Sure. Okay. Um I, I want to like this more than I do. Um mm. and I used to like this more than I do. This is the one of the ones for me that has not aged particularly well because I think that when I first heard it, it I felt seen and I I value how I met the song back in the day, but now it just feels I th- just think there are other songs on the album that do this better. Um and th- there is there is an argument to be made that this is placed incorrectly on the album. Like I think it might work better for me at this juncture if it were further up or further back, but as it is, like the way that it's reflecting violet for me is not quite successful um but again Mm. like i like this whole album pretty much i love her quiet menace um on this and the control in this particular song uh particularly from a figure that we're used to thinking of as like out of control is kind of her brand um Mm -hmm. you know purposefully i'm sure but still um so this was kind of again there's there's nothing to hate here but i had this at number nine with four points
0: hmm.
2: all right well john uh, what prompted you to call for a clip? okay well
3: this is really interesting and i'm glad that so due to my own uh laziness slash busyness i did not get my clip selections in in time for them to be picked by me um so I had the interesting, I thought yesterday, I was like, oh, it'll be interesting to see what Sarah actually clips of the, and Sarah and Mark actually clip of the song, what they think this, is the best w- this part.
1: This was Mark. <laughs> For me. Yeah, I oh, actually this, did do Mark. this okay. one. <laughs> yeah.
3: So I actually think the strongest part of this song is the beginning. Um, the the opening line, I, lines I love so much, every time that I sell myself to you, I feel a little bit cheaper than I need to. And the mm. opening guitar licks when she's singing a little bit softer, um, that part to me is the best part, but for me, I just have always loved this song. It hasn't, you know. I I get what you're saying, Sarah, but for me, this that's hit this hits a note just because it's it's not as a uh, it's not as hard edge mostly in terms of the sound. Mm. That it's it's a I see it as more of a companion piece to Violet rather than a, a competitor to it. Right. Um, and yeah, the I can themes see that. of you know, of consent and self degradation that, you know, haunted her then are now more relevant than ever. I think I, you know, I, one other thing I love about this album is that, you know, there the, I wouldn't call it subtle necessarily, but the lyrics still have a strong literary and poetic influence and they're open to a lot of interpretation um, mm-hmm. for me anyway. Uh, so to me, it almost feels like she's quietly talking about, you know, if she's, if she's, the The issues of consent are not being forced upon her by any one man, but almost by society. Um, she's indicting, you know, making a wider indictment than any just one person. Um, and to me, that's why a lot of this, you know, the song has has lived on for me and and you know, it still holds up. Um, so I put it at number three, ten points.
2: Mm. I really like the phrase quiet menace that you described earlier, Sarah, and the reason that I clipped this song where I did was because I really like hearing her say, was she asking for it in that conversational way, and it's almost like she's smiling as she says it. I just find it kind of chilling, and I always imagine, even in high school, I imagine her singing that portion of the song while holding a long stiletto dagger at a man's throat. <laughs> right. There's something very Russian spy
3: this avenging angel. Uh, yes, but yeah. she's
2: so she's in such control that she doesn't need to be loud in this moment. And that is also why I feel like you said John that this song makes a nice compliment to Violet because it is the seething silence of that same type of rage. Now, not to say that asking for it doesn't have loud sections because we've heard part of that in the clip as well, but I just really like the, uh, the menace there. And I also think it's interesting the way that she uses that album title in mm. this song. Uh, if you live through this with me, then I will die for you. And I've always thought about the question of who is that line directed to? Who is she? Is she talking to a partner? Or is she talking to herself? Is she talking to a friend? I like that I don't know, and that it can be lots of things, like you were saying too, John. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on who she's talking to when she says that.
1: I don't. I I will note just in passing that I think there's probably a master's thesis, at least, in the fact that she's using the sort of original heritage version of the Snow White, like, myths (laughs) system that includes Rose Mm -hmm. Red. And Mm -hmm. how the contrasts between who a woman is and what she's asked to give up to be that um, have been, like, are in conversation with that tale, which is centuries old. So I don't have the answer to that. Uh, Listeners, happy to hear from you folklore PhDs.
2: And we know you got. we know there's some of you out there.
1: Um, I put
2: this song in sixth place, despite liking it a lot. There's just a lot of good songs on this album, which is seven points for me. And the patrons have it in a tie for eighth with five points. Hmm. So next we have the song that eventually gave us the title of a Diablo Cody horror film, (laughs) uh, among other things. As has already been alluded to, this is Jennifer's Body, and John also called for a clip from this song. So without further ado, here is a clip from Jennifer's Body. And
1: I clipped this one, so I'm interested to hear how I did um, for John. Um, I would just like to say that I know that clip was long. This song is all but impossible to clip. Like I was going to
3: say, like just clip the whole thing. I, seriously, like you just keep
1: going through to different terrain, and it's like, and right after this is like alive, but just barely. <laughs> Another one I sing all the time. Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. This. You guys, is I know that
2: this. I know that this is not true. But in my mind, this song is in both of the first two Scream movies. <laughs> like I just, oh it God. is the it is the that sound. especially Scream Two. It is the sound of Sidney Prescott running across the campus of Agnes Scott College. I, at the but at the beginning, before we know that some shit is back, I, I don't know why, but like this is just the sound of that to me.
1: Yeah, I can see that, especially that I guitar that. break towards the end of the clip. Um, <clears> so, John, tell us why you wanted a clip from this, and also how did you?
3: Ah, uh, well, I got chills listening to it. So <laughs> you did great. Okay, I'll take. it. <laughs> also, getting the "sleeping with my enemy" line in was 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 perfect. Love it. Um, just a little aside. Uh, one one thing uh, that this pre- the prep for this uh, podcast gave me is to be able to read uh, read pieces on how. The movie, Jennifer's Body, has enjoyed a feminist resurgence in the Me Too era, which is wonderful because it is such an underrated movie, in my opinion. Agree. It was marketed horribly at the time. Um, please see it. <laughs> please judge for yourself. I, it's really strongly good. I strongly recommend. Yeah. Um, for me, like, there's so much to love about the song. The She sings the word pieces in pieces of Jennifer's Body in a different off-key way every <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it every time. Um this is a little bit of inversion because she's hard on the verses and soft on the choruses. And it's like, it's a weird, you know, it gives you this weird, like kind of dreamy horror feel feeling. Um, You know, you can kind of, you can almost picture a coffin being lowered into the ground with someone alive in it as, Mm. as she says, just go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, every part of the song I've always loved. Um, you, you know, Diablo Cody has said that she named, named the movie Jennifer's Body because she loved the mesmerizing horror of the song, and I totally feel her. Yeah, um, It could put you off relationships permanently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is the darkest song on the album, but for me, it also manages to be the most fun, and it is my number one, at 12 points.
2: Whoa. Nice. Sarah?
1: Um, it's also my number one. Twelve points. There's like fifteen. Oh my god! Like fif- <laughs> That's unbelievable. T- fifteen different, um, uh, like fractured fairy tales converging on this song sonically and lyrically. Um, that booming whale is everything. Like a- as you know, uh, as a woman, as a human, as a sort of. Uh, a- analyst of narrative it's just everything it's the closest she comes to losing control of it and yet the the greatest example of control I think that you know that she is able to sort of let it off the leash but then eventually it will come back to her and like just the numerous creepy um harsh like criminal serial killery images. Like, you know, I spend a lot of time with true crime and this is like everyone's roofie nightmare disaster and sometimes roofie reality Um, or like (laughs) whatever urban legends about waking up in a bathtub with no kidneys. I, I mean, it's extremely powerful but john's right it's also extremely like satisfying like you don't listen to it and by the end you sort of feel um like you understand the rage and it's gone through you but you feel um good and powerful having heard that and yelled along to it versus um worn out or resentful so i mean that's art bitches number 1 <laughs>
2: i really appreciate the opportunity to hear both of you talk about this song because for me it's fine oh really (laughs) yeah this is i like this song but it did not have that impact on me but i think now having heard the two of you talk about it i will listen to it with fresh ears i've always just thought yes
1: this song is good i've also associated this not in any way this is going to sound horrible but i do associate this song somewhat with john because i first heard it and really decided to give hole a chance. are you saying that
2: john has made you
1: has put yes, you off john, in uh, the idea of relationships
2: forever <laughs> john,
3: i should john say stored me sarah, in a box under pretty...
1: his bed yes uh, no he put this on Sarah his and i step. have a,
3: the, part of the reason I, I did that is because sarah and i have a mutual friend shout out to uh jim Dadweiler who he was probably the one who introduced me to this album. And he also, <laughs> speaking of your 20s, you know, in your 20s, you're just friends with a bunch of people you hate. Like, still, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, he had a friend named Jennifer, and we used to play the song and make fun of her, like, very meanly. There was a dance, but, like, <laughs> but that's another association I have with the song. It's still my number one, like, outside of that, oh, but I like, it gives me joy in
2: that way. But. Well, for me, um, I, I felt fine about this song and i put it in seventh place therefore right in the middle Hmm. that's six points for me and the patrons felt essentially fine about it too they put it in sixth place and that's seven points from them
1: huh that's a hell of a thing
2: but you know this is this is one of the reasons but hearing you both talk about the very particular personal connection that you have to the memory of this song but also the things that you found in the song that is another reason why we can all agree that the album as a whole is great because there are enough things going on in it that what one person doesn't hear, another person will hear. And who knows what we'll hear in four years if we listen to this album again. I think it's not every album that is this open to broad interpretation.
1: I also wonder, before we move on to Doll Parts, John, did you expect that this would be your number one when you went into the research process
3: i did but i did not expect anyone else to be up there with me
1: (laughs) i thought this would be top three but i didn't think it would be i didn't think it would be number one
3: yeah it definitely i definitely wasn't a hundred percent sure it would be number one but um but it's definitely the song i've listened to the most over the years it's been a while since i've had any of this album on rotation though so it was yeah
0: yeah
2: i wasn't 100 but i was pretty sure and yeah it it helped that reminds me. Speaking of listening to songs over the years, I, when I first got a CD burner, do you remember those glorious days when suddenly you can make a mix CD uh-huh. for the first time?
0: Mm-hmm. The,
2: the first CD I ever made mix CD was called CDs I Leave in Tennessee, and it was just like bits and bobs from CDs that I wasn't taking with me to college anymore, and. Miss World is the song from this album that made it onto the CDs I Leave in Tennessee CD. And I think that's one of the reasons that Miss World is my number one is because I've been listening to it because I wore the shit out of that CD when I was driving back and forth to (laughs) Cop. So I feel like that is another reason that Miss World is so deeply ingrained in my number one and the reason i bring that up is because i knew going in that miss world was my number one in response to your question mm-hmm. to jennifer's yeah Jennifer's body but anyway I was gonna, yeah carry. i
1: mean jennifer's body like i am accustomed to hearing a sugar cube song after jennifer's body so it was a little jarring to go Jeez. straight to dull parts right. <laughs> that's upside too
3: guys remember remember napster speaking of cd uh, Bros, I was gonna of make yes.
1: reference also <laughs>
3: i i had a cd burner and when i first got a desktop computer and i used to go on napster and the thing that still sticks out to me is how like they would try to get around like copyright infringements by purposely like mistitled like misspelling the the artist like (laughs) modonna i remember
2: (laughs) i actually remember also downloading I feel like it was. I downloaded the the Back on the Bus, y'all live album by the Indigo Grills. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe it was Indigo Girls, like Ryan yeah. Girl. But I
2: just because I was thinking, I would go to the Indigo Grill. I bet the food would be good there. Yeah. Uh, also, the first CD burner that I had was the size of a desk. It was fucking huge. Oh yeah. Like, you could nope, play, you I'm could do a space that anymore. <laughs> you could do a thousand piece puzzle on top of that thing. <laughs> well, Speaking next, of pieces, <laughs> um, as, as Sarah has mentioned, we come to Doll Parts, a song that I asked to clip, and I did, in fact, make this clip. Are we all in agreement yes. that I pulled this one?
1: yes stipulated
2: Um, are you sure now (laughs) this is the first clip that i pulled and was not pulling for john and wasn't falsely pulling for sarah so this is the first actual clip of mine that we've made it to in this episode before we begin i do want to shout out my friend devin who we recently heard giving a great voicemail question uh in an earlier episode when devin and i were in high school Devin told me once at length about this performance piece that she did for her high school talent show to this song where she was wearing like all black and surrounded by doll parts. Oh and I just yes. I just feel like that's what being a sensitive, smart kid in high school is. You just install a mountain of doll parts Father, and you blow your fucking mirror. high school's mind.
1: Father. Oh, my God. Mirror.
0: is it clip time
2: um well do you want me to tell you about the shockingly uh ill-judged talent show performance that i gave when i was in high school yes okay thank you (laughs) thank you for saying yes because i clearly wanted you to because hearing remembering devin's amazing story reminded me that when i was a junior in high school I had just come back from the summer at governor school where I met Devin, where everyone was so into each other's creativity. And so I decided, I was still riding that high, that I was going to perform an original monologue at my high school talent show in which I played a young Southern boy who was sitting on a rocking chair and was speaking to the ghost of his dead grandmother. And in between sections of the monologue where he was speaking to grandma, he would sing I sang little snippets of a of an old spiritual that my grandmother used to sing to me. So I imagine me sitting on the stage of a gym slash auditorium in a chunky sweater earnestly singing an old spiritual and then looking up to the sky wistfully and speaking to my grandmother, and then know that I heard the booing. All the way across the gym
1: oh, <laughs>
3: I mean just the words Original monologue in high school talent show Made me so sad already yeah.
1: <laughs> And then like We've all made that I mistake. could just...
2: <laughs> I have never I was so mortified But I got through it And then uh, now I sort of Think that that was cute Anyway here is a clip from Doll Parts I want to be the girl With the mom.
0: Because he loves to see them break I fake it so real I am beyond faith And someday you will ache like I
2: I put this song in fifth place, which is eight points for me. But I wanted to clip it, nevertheless, because I think it's a really great example of how when she wants to and when they want to, Courtney Love and Hole can do a lot with very little. This is, in many ways, the simplest song on the album. It is lyrically pretty straightforward, musically pretty straightforward, and yet she draws so much blood out of the line someday you will ache like I ache and is able to make it mean about 40 things even in the clip that I just pulled so I just thought it was worth pointing out that one of the reasons that I think this album is brilliant is because not every song uses the same strategy to get to the same powerful emotional end
1: that's a really good way to put that um mm. I I think this song was sort of like in listening to it this time kind of a flash point for my thinking about the contrast between how I felt about her back then which was um before I sort of fell in love with this album was much more like much more um higher proportions of being put off and uncomfortable and reluctant to hear what she was saying which of course were things I already knew Um, as opposed to how I feel about this album and her and whole now, which is um, impressed and grateful uh, much Mm. more than sort of resentful of examining my own feminism and attempts to keep power. So uh, I will also say this song is um, like it, it's pretty and it's foreboding and it's, uh, in my opinion, one of the better renditions of um, that period after a trauma where you're finally beginning to feel maybe a little like yourself and the part mm. of yourself that you have come back to is just a fucking column of rage. Uh, and it's so, I mean, it's just so... Well, well done. Like just her pronunciation of doll heart. That <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> like you, you poked it and now it's waking up. And now we're all gonna pay mm-hmm. as we should. Number two, eleven points. John.
3: Um I don't have a ton to add. I mean in my notes I have such good rasp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is it's one of her rasp. two
3: best rasp rasp performances on the on the album. Um I think this one's interesting thematically because I think so much so many of the others are real railing out of the her railing at society, whereas this one I think she's more railing at herself, like her own mm-hmm. her own insecurities, um, and just really vulnerable. And you know, again, degree of difficulty super high. I ranked it at number four, nine points, only because there are three songs that I like even better, but I love the song and I would not you know, you'd have to pry it out of my cold dead hands, basically.
2: Oh, yeah, I would never, ever let this song go. I completely agree. The patrons agree with Sarah, by the way, and put this in second place as well. So that's 11 points from the patrons. And that brings us to the one cover on the album. Uh, There was a post-punk band, I guess you could call them, called the Young Marble Giants that originally released the song Credit in the Straight World, which I remember at the time not understanding was not a reference to straight as in heterosexual, but straight as in not currently using drugs. <laughs> uh, but a uh, whole took it and put it on their album. And I wonder, John, what do you think about the appearance of this song? Um,
3: I have never really liked the song very much, you know, for it relative to the rest of the album, Um, especially the beginning, like the choral weirdness at the beginning just kind of puts me off and never, (laughs) I never come back from it. Um, You know, I don't have too much to, I mean, you know, thematically it's fine, you know, again, but uh, for me that this is, there's just less to recommend this song than almost everything else on the album. So I put it at uh, 11th place, two points.
2: I also put it in 11th place, and it makes me wonder if we're going to have the same song in 12th place. Uh, But yes, I agree with exactly what you said. Uh, I also just feel like I wonder why she chose to cover this song when she is saying better through her original songs, everything that this song itself is Mm -hmm. trying to say. But anyway, yes, that's two points for me as well. The patrons, I thought somewhat surprisingly, had this in a tie for eighth, uh, and it got five points from them. Sarah,
1: um, I had it right in the middle. Uh, I don't like I don't like the opening that much either. Um, this this feels a little surfacey and overworked, but it's also you know you zip right through it. So I've got no kick with it. Sixth place, seven points.
2: And I should point out, I believe, based on some research I've done, that the opening choral section is not from the original Young Marble Giant song, but is the intro from some other whole song that isn't on this album, but honestly I don't have really have time to go that deep into all that shit, but as I believe that it's the fusing the fusion of two songs, but anyway, doesn't change my ranking.
3: I did read that the uh the, the original band that sang and hated holds recording of it, so I don't know. Oh. I don't know if it's because of that or or what, but um, you know,
2: Oops. whatever. And now more because of it anyway, but now it's time to talk about the character P Girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: who gets the milk on the song Softer Softest. Uh, Sarah, what do you think about this one?
1: Uh, this does not feel done. Uh, it feels a little journaly um, and a little bit insincere and half-formed, like it was someone else's idea that she thought would be cool to write about, and maybe it would have been, but this doesn't quite... This doesn't quite... This doesn't quite land for me. Um, The bridge in particular seems a little like it's recycling some ideas from earlier in the album. So I don't like I'm not going to cross the street to kick somebody who's blasting this, but I I might side eye them 10th place three points.
2: I put this in eighth place uh, primarily because of the way she says your milk has a dick. (laughs) I just think that's a good line, so that bumped it up a slight bit. I mean, when
1: you can make a ringtone out of that shit, you can't. You can't clock it too hard. it's just
2: (laughs) just the honestly. This would have been in ninth place, but it's an eighth because of the line your milk has a dick.
1: dick. (laughs) Shocker.
2: Uh, so that's uh, five points for me, uh, and the patrons have it. I thought remarkably in fifth place with eight points. Y'all go ahead, hey, blast they out like P- milk Girl.
1: Dicks." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Who does not like a milk? Uh, dick? Maybe John, John doesn't. John, I don't know. What are your thoughts on "Milk Dicks," John?
3: <laughs> well, actually, this song, you know, as I agree, the lyrics are a little bit unformed. Again, we, we were talking about how sometimes the lyrics are opaque, and you have to, you know, interpret Let's... them and. I think I've read that this is this song is about you know being being abused as a child, you know being bullied as a child. Not sure I, not sure I get that from the lyrics, mm. to be honest. But musically, this works for me. This is like peak ra- This is peak rasp for me. If uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, I agreed with the patrons. I put it in five huh. eight, eight points.
2: Oh, well, very interesting. Pardon me while I just do some quick math. Okay. Great. Sarah, I think that you have called for a clip for this next one. Am I right? I sure
1: did. Um, it's the She Walks On Me track. And it's funny how you sort of get partway through an album and you expect certain songs to keep, the, that they'll eventually like float down and be pushed down by other songs. And this one like stayed pretty stable where it was. Uh, let's hear a clip. My head would not stop bobbing when I was listening to this. Um, I think the imagery and the the way that she's like the the substance of the rant is a little like '90s indie expected, like anorexic magazines. But the the torque that she gets on it smells like girl. It's and how that's supposed to be bad. I, like I just. I feel that. I, I love it. And then there's that actually quite melodically beautiful, contrasting sung part. She, you know, she walks over me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess this is kind of like cookie-cutter, right, girl, feminist thing, including the sound. But I don't care. I had it in fifth. Eight points. Nice. John, what do you think um, of this scandal? I have in
2: my notes, I have in my notes that the chorus of this song is the closest she will ever get to sounding like Toad the Wet Sprocket.
1: Okay, I was I went in a breeder <laughs> direction, but yes, it's very it's very T, t- the W S.
2: <laughs> but that's no that's no insult. I I owned that album Fear, Same. and then I also bought their album Dulcinea, which maybe I was the only one. Anyway, you might have been. Uh, but Fear what was mean? a great album. So I I for me this song is I think I must regretfully say ranked a little too low. Um, uh, but you know, we're only human and <laughs> rankings change like the sun and the seasons. Uh, but I currently have it in ninth place, which is four points for me, but I, 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 it's partly because of what you were saying, Sarah, that it's a little bit like, of course there has to be the song where she talks about magazines and, but I, I think that there, that there is a bratty energy to it that made me, and <laughs> yeah, makes me enjoy it more than I'm just giving it, it it, yeah.
1: it is like a sonically fun to listen to, I think.
2: Yeah, I agree. So I can't change it now, but I think if I were to do this again, I would probably rank it a touch higher. I mean, it doesn't talk about milk dicks, but that's – Yeah, well. It's still okay. Uh, <laughs> you but don't anyway, go back
1: to that well, do you?
2: Nine, ninth place. <laughs> no, I don't want to go – there's only so many times you can, you can point on the milk dick to uh, make your point. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah,
3: you got a little, you got to give it a little time to recharge, but
1: uh. <laughs> well,
2: especially at our age. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> so that's ninth God. place for me. Four points and 11th place. Two points from the patrons who maybe they mm. just were like, I hate Toad the Wet Sprocket.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, John, what are your? Um, <laughs> uh
3: well, Mark, I know this is the first time I've done these rankings, but it seems to me like instant regret over your rankings as part of these rankings episodes.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, <It> absolutely certainly <laughs> is.
3: Um, so yeah, this was as as I said before. I used to wear out like the front half about the first two thirds of this album. This 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 song never really um was in my rotation even when I was listening to this album a lot. But um, I agree with Sarah. Actually, I really like the the head Part of this and the meld with the um, you know the soft parts works really well. Um, it's definitely to me like whatever whatever she may be going for thematically, it's definitely lighter fare than than a rest, than than a lot of the others. But that's not a bad thing necessarily. It can't all be like you know, it can't all be like crushing you with the weight of its message. Um, <laughs> so I split the difference between you two. I ranked it in number seven, six points.
0: Mm. Mm-mm-mm
2: But in terms of your regret, you wish that you had ranked it higher as well? Oh, no. No. Oh, (laughs) I was just talking about yours. (laughs) Oh, yes. But yes, inevitably, one feels certain pangs, twangs, you know, like perhaps some of the country feels after a recent presidential election. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hey, keeping it relevant, y'all. So next is the song I Think That I Would Die, a song that was written in direct response to the Department of Family and Children's Services taking Francis Bean Cobain away from Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain after a Vanity Fair article suggested that Courtney Love had been using drugs while pregnant. And she wrote this song about that, essentially. But here is a clip.
0: What? Wow.
2: You guys, you want to talk about some surprises that come in a ranking episode? I had no idea how much I was going to fucking love hearing this song again. That might be the greatest fuck you in the history of recorded music, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, The song manages to be so beautiful in places. I know that's a theme on this whole episode. But it manages to be so beautiful in places and so angry in places. And there is this raw... Aching need in the way that she sings, Where is the Baby? That I find so powerful. And I'm not entirely sure who she's talking about when she's saying, I am not a feminist. Is she talking about herself? Is she talking about a performed self that she has tried to give to the world and that has resulted in her losing her baby. Is she talking about the woman who interviewed her for vanity fair? Maybe all, but what I definitely know is that when she screams, fuck you, she's saying it to literally anyone who can hear it. And then you add all of that in with the melodic part of Rose, white, Rose, red, the return of those figures. Hmm. I think that you just get this dense portrait of feminine archetypes that are tearing her apart and her desire to be a mother but her feeling suffocated by what mothers are supposed to be and all she can do is just in her empty armed fury scream that she cannot take it anymore and when she screams there is no milk it's like is it it means seven things at one time, and it's just so desolate, but so angry, and there's so much need and power in it. And I fucking love this song so much. Second place, eleven points. Wow, I didn't anticipate that oh, in the. I didn't anticipate <laughs> that in the slightest. Let me also add, though, I put it in second place and gave it eleven points. It's the only song that got zero <laughs> votes from the patrons, so that is a twelfth place finish. Uh, for them with one point But y'all I am who I am I gotta stand by what I believe
1: Wow Let's hear from John
3: um, <laughs> My notes It's fine <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
3: I appreciate what you're saying You know, Thematically um, I definitely think this song is a little bit punished By where it lands on the album for me Because yeah. by the time we get here I feel like you know, and I agree. The "fuck you" is great. Like she uh, talk about control over like something that is so uncontrollable, basically. But for me, like the other component parts of the song have all been done better elsewhere. Um, so it's only a number ten for me. Three points.
2: Ooh, yeah. Well, Sarah, I
1: put it at number eight. Um, so that's five points. I respect it while not enjoying it and i feel like the part that you clipped is probably what people who hate this band point to as why um i i don't necessarily feel actually in this track like she is in control of how the narrative is moving um that like there's nothing wrong with that we all have we all have off days i do like the build of the rage um and that line that you cited about there is no milk and how many things that can mean in context, agree. I don't hate it, but it also, like, it, I do wonder, now that um, John has mentioned that, where I would have ranked it if it had showed up, like, third. In the right, album. if
2: instead of Miss World into Plump, it went Miss World into, I think yeah, that I would die. because mm-hmm. I just, I yeah. feel like
1: maybe, I mean, is that a lot of, um, is that a lot of angst at the, in the top? maybe but you know i just i feel like by the time we get here this feels a little um built to me and not not in a good way so
2: ah see but again i love this because i going into this album i remembered this song enough to think that that's how i would have been discussing it too and it just caught me in exactly the right way and right. Yeah. I have not been able to stop mm-hmm. i've been listening to that song on its own even just at other times when i wasn't listening to the whole album so there we are oh john no wait yes yes we are we're done okay now we're moving on to Gut less
1: we don't have a clip of this <laughs> pretty sure i know why um i just don't have much to say about this this feels like an effort to stand in the footprints of a genre stereotype of what the song should be instead Mm -hmm. of actually writing the fucking song so 11th place two points
3: um for me i just have <laughs> a marriage of lack of lyrical subtlety and unpleasant to listen to it is number 12 1. Point.
2: <laughs> and that says it all to me it is the least pleasant sound that is made on this album uh, is is all of the unpleasant sounds are on other tracks are eclipsed by the unpleasant sounds on this track <laughs> Also, 12th place for me. So, John, we may not agree on the top, but we definitely agree on the No, back.
3: Yeah. I mean, this, this, this song feels like a live journal entry because it's music. <laughs> yeah.
2: And yet, the patrons liked it more than they liked I think that I would die because it got a vote. So, it's in a tie for 10th place and uh, <laughs> three points. But uh, let me just go ahead and preview this is not going to be getting a medal in our final standings. <laughs>
1: All right, so that brings us to the last track on the album, which is Rockstar. And talk about, like, not just regrets, but surprises. I remembered really loving this song and thought surely that I would have a clip from it. I don't. This really Mm -hmm. seems like cacophony for its own sake. Like, whereas Gutless just seems like there was some sincere effort to do something that just didn't work out in a way that was pleasant. (laughs) This felt a lot more cynical, and especially leaving in the fuck-up at the beginning. Like, I just got the sense that they were fucking bored already, and I, I kind of felt getting to this track like, well, just make it 10 tracks then. That's allowed. You're allowed to do that. You don't need 12 to 15. Um, I mean, I do find the. I do find the like secret bits and the fuck up sort of charming, but the rest of it is just like, okay, this is an error of album construction. So this is actually my 12th place. One point.
3: Ooh, wow. Wow.
1: Yeah, not where I thought that was going in retrospect. I might have ranked it a little higher, but I mean, a little, I mean like 11 and a half. Place. <laughs> John, where'd you have this guy?
3: Um, so for me, yeah, I mean, musically, it's not the best listen to me either, but I at least think the um, the lyrics, like the the kind of calling out the imagery of everyone being the same, you know, the, the, the ground that she's treading has not been covered elsewhere in the album, and it's not uninteresting to me. Um, that said, it's still only number eight for me with five points.
2: You guys, we are just... Out of step on a, quite a few songs here because this is my third place song. I more for you. Um, I it think all that works for, you, out. for you, Sarah, the sort of scruffy joy that you get from "She Walks on Me" is what I get from "Rockstar."
0: There's uh, just uh, a yeah, I can there's a that.
2: there's a bounce to it that I like. Uh, I agree also with John. It's nice that she's mad at something else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and I She's just like, think that you
1: know I, what else sucks. This actual place. I yeah. mean, like I said, should I have ranked it this low? Maybe not, but it's gonna have to cope. And I just find that the the
2: melodic bounce of "Well, I went to school in Olympia." I, 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 I just enjoy that. And there's also a part where she goes, "I, do like and I that went too." Yep. Yeah, it's just like it's 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 pleasant, it's enjoyable to listen to. And there's a part where she goes, "And I went to school." that I just find charming. So that's third place for me, 10 points. And then the patrons liked it too. They put it in fourth place and gave it nine points. Uh, So if you guys want to just take a minute to chat to one another, I will work out our top and bottom three songs. Here I go. Guys, we won. You know, what's the point here?
3: The point is, I'm trying to fucking get paid. That's the point. You know, the, well, the point is, if we don't win, you're not going to be able to do your chip and dip commercials, okay? Oh, what the fuck do you know? You're an
0: offensive coordinator. Crozier. Crozier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't ask. You know what I say about oh that? Oh, my God. Plastic. Fuck out of here with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you guys ready to hear? Yes. Yes, please. Okay, <laughs> in 12th place, last and certainly least, is Gutless.
1: Mm, yeah. And
2: let me just say... Uh, it had seven points. The next lowest point total was 16. So that tells mm-hmm. you that you, me, and the patrons, you, me, Dupree, and the patrons, nobody liked yeah, it. Yeah,
3: it had no defenders.
2: <laughs> no. Um, And then in a tie for 11th place, so our bottom two are, with 16 points, are Credit in the Straight World and mm. Plump. <laughs> Plump. And I will say that, I am the the one who pretty much saved, I think, that I would die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> From like, dying?
2: Like, if Mama hadn't come up over here and given it that good score, she would have been next to last. But, you know, that's how it goes. Topsy-turvy world. I pushed her into the middle. She, all of the songs on this album are she. What am I saying? Okay, yeah. now, in terms of high scores, at third place with 38 points, we have Miss World. Okay. And to me, a bit of a surprise. In second place, with 39 points, we have Doll Parts. Okay. And then in first place, with 42 points, is Violet.
1: Huh. I can't believe Jennifer's body missed the podium. That Oh, my God, that sounded horrible. <laughs> Someone just <laughs> dropped Jennifer's body out of the rafters <laughs> like in uh, Gary. Holy shit. Well, if it, if it, it, it helps... It has been quite close.
2: Yeah, Jennifer's but... body is fourth with 37 points.
1: Okay, so two points off the podium just out of the it, money what
2: was the number three number three was uh doll parts with 39 points 39. got it okay
1: yeah mm. Mm, i can live with it but... yeah yeah so violet i mean honestly again as world. i said before
2: by
3: i i think even though it's not my favorite violet should be number one collectively yeah. so i can i can
1: totally live with that this but... is the one they would put on a gold cd and send into space with voyager so yeah i'm all right but, with it
2: what I also appreciate is this is an album where we had a real disparity. I like that, that we had a, a sometimes we were in complete alignment and sometimes we really weren't. And I think that is good. Mm-hmm. It's good for mm-hmm. democracy.
1: <laughs> oh, is that what this is? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's good for cheerocracy.
1: Sure. Cheer- uh, there you go. <laughs> Holocracy. You're turning um, into a cheer tater, Mark. A real pain in the ass. I made last- all these
2: <laughs> clips. I made all these clips by myself. You leave me alone.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> one last thought
3: in appreciation <laughs> of <laughs> cool. <you> know, <laughs> <laughs> one last thought in appreciation of the different ways you can interpret things on this album is the title "Live Through This." Like I, you know, of course it can be about living through the pain of you know many many things, all of which and more are sung about on this album. But I, the way I choose to interpret it now is like this album can give you life. Mm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. can live through this, and I have been for over twenty years. So.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Or, Courtney, or you have, it can also I be live through this. Like, it True. isn't, but it
2: yeah. could be. Yeah. All good interpretations. Well, John, thank you so much for being our first ever guest on a ranking episode. And thank you also, two and a half years ago, for recommending that we talk about this album in the first place.
3: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing it at a time when we could do the whole album, because this was great.
0: John Ramos.
2: Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening.